Welcome to the CL Talks podcast. Each week, we sit down with different guests who provide unique and insightful perspectives on various topics. Let's dive right into this week's episode of CL Talks. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another CL Talks. Pastor Al, Pastor Kim here. And uh, we are going to be discussing tonight something that pertains to everything that is going on in the world today. That's right. And that's what the Bible tells us. It gives us great information concerning spiritual warfare. We are seeing a major outpouring of the kingdom of darkness, a major move the kingdom of darkness, but yet at the same time, the Bible tells us that when the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise raise up a standard against him. That's right. Now, in these days that we're living in, and especially under the new covenant, the standard that God raises up is his church. That's right. And the church is to raise up The standard that God has given to them, which is the name of Jesus, which is the word of Almighty God. Because we want to talk about successful spiritual warfare. Yes, not unsuccessful spiritual warfare, (laughs) but successful spiritual warfare. And, you know, I just uh, celebrated 50 years of walking with the Lord. And in those 50 years, I have literally fought the fight of faith. Every single year, every month, (laughs) every week, and sometimes almost on a daily basis. And we're going to tell you why that we are in a spiritual warfare and why the enemy comes to attack us as Christians. So number one, I want to start out by saying this. To have successful spiritual warfare, Pastor Cam, Mm -hmm. we've got to know that warfare that we see manifesting in the earthly realm first begins in the spiritual realm. Matter of fact, everything that we see in the natural has all has begun begun in the spirit uh, begun in spiritual realm. Look at the earth, the whole earth, everything began in the spiritual realm before it was manifested in the natural realm. In the beginning, God said, "Let there be." And, of course, we know that God has created the heavens and the earth. He's created us. He's created everything inside of this earth. And so for you to be successful, you you have to understand that what you're dealing with in the natural realm is, first and foremost, manifesting from the spiritual realm. Mm. So the number one device that the enemy has against the inhabitants of the earth. Now, this is very important. Two, two categories here. The inhabitants in the earth, and now I'm talking about those that are not born again. The greatest weapon he has against them is deception. The whole world lies under, the Bible tells us, the sway and the deception of the, of the evil one. Now, next category is that his warfare that he's coming against See, he doesn't really have to come against those uh, that are not born again because they are following his deception. They're doing the very things that he desires for them to do. Now, you can find that out. Write this in your notes in Ephesians, the second chapter, verses 1 through 3, and it tells you that the devil, uh, the prince of the power of the air, is working in the unbelievers. He was working in all of us before we were born again. When you get born again... 
you are number one on his target list. That's right. The whole body of Christ is who he does his warfare against because we are the ones that have the answer. We have the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we have the answer to everyone's uh, situation, everyone's dilemmas, the things that they're going through, and it it is called the Word of God. So listen to this. Two categories, inhabitants of the earth and the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. So listen to what the Bible says in Revelation 12, chapter verse 12. It says, Therefore rejoice, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having a great wrath because he knows that his time is short, or he has a short time. Now, notice he says he comes to the inhabitants of the, to the earth. Now, what does he do? His, he, Jesus told us that his platform is to steal, yeah. kill, and destroy. Right. That's the three things that if you find anything that has to do with killing, stealing, and destroying, you know who's behind it. That's you right. know the devil is behind it. Now listen to who he is waging his warfare against. Okay, mm-hmm. In Revelation 12, chapter verse 17, it says this, And the dragon was enraged with the woman, which is symbolic of Israel, and he went to make war. He went to make war. Notice that his wrath was being poured out upon the inhabitants of the earth because actually the inhabitants have no defense against him. Mm -hmm. We're the ones that have the defense, and you're going to see this. We're the ones that have a defense against him, and we're the ones that are on the offensive against him. So the Bible says the dragon, which is symbolic, if you read Revelation 12, of the devil, the dragon was enraged with the woman. He went to make war with the rest of her offspring, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. That's so right. when you are walking in obedience to God's word and you have the testimony of Jesus, which means you're being born again, well, then the devil, Pastor Cam, is he is declaring war That's on right. us. Yep. He's declaring war on us, and we see the reality of that whenever we look at Ephesians 6, verse 10 through 13. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, one, one thing that's important there is whenever we look at the word wiles in the Greek, that's actually a word that um, denotes intentional planning and scheming against a specific person. And as Pastor just laid out for all of us, we realize that he wars against the church. And so we have to put on the whole armor of God. Why? Because we are in a battle. And it says that we do that so we can stand against, that we may be able to stand, which means that if we don't put on the whole armor of God, then there then we can't stand. So it's a, it's a conditional thing. Standing against the wiles or the schemes or the plans or the, the intentional planning of the devil in order to overcome those plans or in order to be able to stand against those things, there's the condition of putting on the whole armor of God. It says in verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, 
but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the, this, of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And one of the most important things to realize about this is the reason why Paul is making this distinction is because the devil uses flesh and blood right. to, in order to wage warfare against the church. Or he, you know, we don't see the devil with horns and a pitchfork coming on the news and saying, this is what I'm going to do to the church. No, the devil disguises himself. Even as an angel of light, the Bible says, he even uses the gospel or the Bible to his advantage to try and plot and scheme against the people of God. It's really important that we understand that because even right now, there are so many things going on and the, the thing that the devil wants us to do as the church is to be thrown off guard. Right. He wants us to be distracted. He wants us to think, well, it's, the pre- it's this political party or that political party, or it's this specific person or that specific person, or it's my mother or my father or this toxic relationship that I have. And, and, and yes, those things are being used as tools to come against us in our life. They can be used as tools to come against us, but what's behind that is the devil. I I remember a couple weeks ago, whenever I was preaching, I told everybody that if we go again, if we wrestle against flesh and blood, it's like trying to fight an arrow instead of finding and destroying the archer. Right. Because it's, whenever an archer fires an arrow, yeah, it's the arrow that does the damage to our bodies, but it's the archer that had the intent to do the damage to us. And so if we don't learn how to wrestle and wage warfare against what's actually attacking us, then we're just going to be swinging at the air. I I don't know how many people have ever seen, um, there was this episode of Mythbusters where a guy was trying to catch an arrow out of thin air, and it took him like loads and loads and loads of times to try and do it because it's impo- it's almost impossible right. to do unless somebody's incredibly <laughs> highly trained to do it. But if we're trying to wrestle against flesh and blood and we're trying to get the arrow out or instead of going and finding the archer, we're going to continue to be harmed. And so we need to realize here, whenever it's set, that's why it's so important that this distinction is being made, that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And then again, Paul comes down here and he puts extra emphasis on the armor of God. He says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. I think it's so important for us to recognize that Paul mentions this twice in such a short span of information. Right. Well, he actually <clears throat> mentions it. it. I mean, if you if you look at it, and you, you see when he says stand, and then the word withstand, yeah. which is the same thing. You're standing, and then you're withstanding yeah. uh, against something yeah. and, and somebody. So he says this over and over again. And, and the other thing is, Pastor Cam, is this, of course, Paul is writing this by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, right. which means God is having him to write this down. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if God, if God says and tells me to stand, then therefore I can stand. 
Right. But I'm not standing in my own strength. Right. That's where. That's where. That's the where. Beginning he, of the scripture, it, he says, it, "Not by." That, that he says, "Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might." Right. Yeah. And and that means that the power of His might is already in me. Right. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit is my helper. Mm-hmm. So in times like this, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to help me, and and He will help me. But then there's one, one other quick thing, and, and then I, w- I want to move on from there. But one other quick thing that we need to say in, in Ephesians, which we just said, Ephesians 6, chapter verse 10, where it says, Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when it says, Be strong in the Lord, be strong, and the Lord is the word. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the word, yeah. and the word was God. And the, mm-hmm. and the word was manifest. And one of the areas that we will eventually get to in Ephesians 6 chapter is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Right. So when he, when he says, when, when he says, be strong in the Lord, he's also saying, be strong in the word. Right. And right. the power of its might. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, so, so if I have no word on the inside of me. Then I can't stand. No, I'm going to be weak. Yeah. Because I really don't have a foundation. Yeah. You know, and, and so, and what you were saying cons- that people need to understand is that the devil, demonic spirits that are principalities, rulers of darkness in every city, every neighborhood, in every single place, yeah. they are here to influence people mm-hmm. uh, through deception yeah. to go out and to do things that have to do with everything that is opposite of life, of what God wants us to do. Right. So when you have organizations that take the lives of babies and things of that nature, mm-hmm. which is which the Bible says is murder, yeah. you know. And I'm not saying that to condemn anybody that has been saved, because all of us have done crazy, crazy stuff, and God has delivered us and set us free, and He set us free from guilt, from the mistakes that we make, because we didn't know we were deceived. Yeah. You know, and thank God that He saved us, and we get into the Word now. Now we know. But what I'm saying is that it it is the devil that is behind uh, the the killing of babies, right? You know, abortion. Yeah, it, it's the devil that uh, that puts the the thoughts on the inside of of women to to go and to take the life of that baby. Yeah. Uh, and and that's the deception that so many people operate in. And you've got to understand that these organizations that do this, that it has been organized by the king, not by God. God is life. Yeah. Not by Mike, not by God, but by the, the principalities and the powers and the rulers of darkness and the devil himself, because he hates every human being. And he yeah. doesn't want any human being to come out of the womb with all the gifts and, and, and all the, the talents and, and the destiny that God has put within them. Yeah. Uh, you know, because now he's going to have to deal with somebody else probably that gets saved and, you know, that comes against him. So it's important that we understand that a lot of times the instigation that takes place, the strife that is taking place, I'm giving myself over to demonic spirits. And somebody will say, well, does that mean that I'm full of the devil? No, because remember when Jesus was telling his disciples that he was getting ready to go to the cross. Peter, it said, pulled him aside, and Peter loved him. But Peter pulled him aside and said, no, that's not going to happen. We're not going to let that happen. Now, what did Jesus do? Jesus didn't address Peter as the devil. Mm -hmm. He was addressing the influence. The influence, he was addressing the spiritual problem 
that Peter did not know he was deceived. He did not know that it was the devil putting this in his heart to That's say right. it to Jesus. Yeah. Okay? So it started out as a thought, then went into his heart, and then he says to Jesus, no. And then Jesus turns around and says, get behind me, Satan. Yeah. Yeah. So he addresses that. Yeah. So when when uh, when Jesus were, and disciples were in the boat and the storm came, mm-hmm. what does Jesus first address? He doesn't first speak to the sea. He first addresses what's behind the wind right. that's causing the sea to be in an uproar, yeah. to take their lives. Yeah. So he first speaks to the wind. He rebukes the wind. He takes authority over the wind mm-hmm. because he knew who was behind it, the prince of the power of, of the, the air, air yeah. to try to stop them from where they were going. Mm-hmm. So we we must understand that there is a lot of demonic influence. Yeah. There's spiritual influence right. on earthly things. Right. It's that, that going back to that first point that you made, that spiritual warfare starts in the spirit realm. Right. And there's so many people, you know, I, I think sometimes as Westerners, we can be so um, desensitized mm-hmm. to the reality of the spiritual realm. Whereas when you go to places like Africa right. and Mexico and, and, uh, and South, m- multiple parts of South America, they are very acquainted with the spiritual realm. Mm-hmm. And, I, and that's where me as a missionary, I would see so many missionaries, specifically missionaries that weren't baptized in the Holy Spirit, that would go onto the field and they would leave because they didn't understand that there was a spiritual warfare right. going on. There was, and, and, and so they would just get their lunch eaten up because they had all of this head knowledge about the word of God, but they didn't right. realize the power. It's right. um, that scripture where it says having a form of godliness, but denying its right. power. And, and we see that so many times where we can know the word of God, have a form of godliness through knowing the word of God, but deny its power. There's so many times where I've spoken with people and, and you can say, well, remember what the word of God says. And, and they'll go, yeah, well, you know, but you know, they'll try and make it out. Like this is a real world situation or something like that. And it's like, well, why are you a Christian in the first place if, if you don't believe yeah. that what's written in the word of God right. is true? And to realize that we are called to stand and that standing refers to a position and a mental attitude based on truth, truth. not based on... This is, say the say Bible that again because that's, that's yeah. so vitally important because in, 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 in the military, being, and especially being in a military town and having so many military uh, yeah. uh, folks in our church... Uh, in, in special ops and in and, and other positions. But we find out that they talk to us a lot about yeah. positioning, yeah. Uh, about the position, mm-hmm. being in the right position, yeah. you know, at the right time. Yeah. And, and, and another thing, too, is that uh, so many Christians, now I know this happened to me for a while in my young life until I understood spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. And so many Christians today uh, are not being taught spiritual warfare. No. Uh, they don't know how to engage. Yeah. They don't know how to wage a good warfare. Yeah. Again, like you said, they look at everything in the natural and think, well, this is just the way it is. And, and we do not uh, understand 
that what is behind things that are trying to stop us, yeah. uh, trying to hinder us, mm-hmm. uh, trying to kill us, yeah. you know, uh, it is, it is, it's, a, it's spiritual warfare. It is, it is spiritual entities. Well, we have to preach a whole gospel. We can't just preach the parts of it that, you know, it's so important to love your neighbor as yourself, to bless those who curse you, to let your yes be yes and your no be no, to not get into adultery, to not be impatient. And all of that is important. But I've, I've said this a thousand times, that you can't sacrifice the, the spiritual parts of the Bible for the practical, and you can't sacrifice the practical for the spiritual. Right. Because then you end up with this 50-50 gospel on one side or the other, and you've got some people, you know, you've got people on the charismatic side of things or the mystical side of things that place experience above the word of God, but then you've got people on the evangelical reformed side of things where they place the knowledge of the word of God over the experience instead of placing them on you should be reading and having knowledge of the word of God. You should also be encountering the word of God and they both have an equal playing field. Right. And so we can have doctrinal understanding of things. And, and there's even, I've read books from so many people where, where you talk about, where some people will talk about spiritual warfare and the principle, the biblical principles of spiritual warfare but then you look at their lives and it's like they're not even walking in it. Right. They're not even realizing that they that that this thing is true. And so we stand on the fact that it is true. We don't just go, well, the Bible says to stand and stand therefore, and that I'm wrestling, that I'm not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities, rulers of darkness, all that stuff. They people can quote that scripture, but then you've got to come into the place where you're living in it right. and realizing that. Every spiritual fight, whatever the situation that we're facing, we're starting from a place of victory because of the right. truth. And, and the other thing is, too, it, it, every one of us as born-again believers, you personally, you must learn how to fight yourself. Yeah. You can't just have other people fighting your battles all the time. Yeah. Listen, the Bible says in James, the fifth chapter, is anyone in trouble, let him pray. You know, a lot of times we want other people to pray for us. We want other people to fight our battles. And and we are to stand with one another. And we are to fight with one another. I mean, Tave and I pray for one another. We stand for one another. We pray for our children. Our children pray for us. We pray for our congregation. We pray for you. We're constantly praying. Uh, You know, the Bible says pray for one another that you may be healed. And we do that. But then after you get prayed for, if you don't know how to wage spiritual warfare, if you don't know how to fight the fight of faith after you're prayed for, then the devil will come and literally steal and take that which began or started after somebody prayed for you. And if you don't know how to stand in faith, the devil's going to come right back and he's going to take it from you. He's going to hinder you from receiving it. He's going to make you think that, you know, that prayer didn't take or (laughs) that prayer had no power with it or that prayer really didn't do anything because you're not seeing instantaneous results. That is not true. The Bible says that we have to fight the fight of faith. So when somebody prays for me, then it's it's my responsibility now to stand and fight the fight of faith. And if you don't do that, 
the devil is going to whip you every single time. So a lot of times it's a it's a it's an identity issue. Yeah. Or it's a it's it is that lack of understanding what the truth is. Number right. one about who God is, but then number two about who we are yes. and where we're positioned from. Yeah. Um, we have written down here that when we fight, we begin the fight in victory. That is our Every position. Fight. Every single fight that we fight, we fight from a place of victory. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, 57 through 58, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and that's, if I could just get people to understand one thing, in their life, in their spiritual walk with God. It is that you are not fighting for victory, you are fighting from victory. The other day during Good Morning CL, I was praying and, and God just dropped it on my heart. And I, I, it's almost like I saw in my heart Jesus on the cross. And it, it was almost as if God said to me, Jesus didn't say, it is finished. <laughs> he said, it is finished. finished. It was good. a declaration that what he was about to go do, what it says in Colossians 2 or 3, I believe, or Colossians 2, it says he, Jesus was going. As soon as he breathed his last, he went down to hell, and he didn't go to suffer in hell. It says that he went to make a spectacle of the rulers of darkness. He went down there, and he was kicking tail it's for a couple setting of captive, setting He was captives setting captives free. free. He, was, he, he led captivity captive meaning that he took cap- people who were captive and he led them into freedom. And that we are fighting from that place. It says in Galatians 5, that is for freedom, that we have been set free, that we're not bound to the things that the devil comes to attack us with. We're not bound to sin. We're not bound to sickness. We're not bound to bickering and complaining and all of those different things that the devil wants to try and get us into. We're not bound to those things. We have been set free from those things and we have been given victory over those things. And so what's what's the devil's number one tactic is that he wants us to believe that we don't have the victory. He right. wants us to believe that this scripture verse 58 of 1 Corinthians 15, he want he doesn't want us to believe that this is possible. It says, "Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain." in the Lord. He wants us to believe that that's not possible. But the reason why we can stand fast and be immovable and why we can always abound in the work of the Lord is because we are fighting from a place of victory. And we have written down here, God is leading us into victory no matter what the report tells us. So something that we say all the time in this church, I would say it's one of our main values, is that the truth of God trumps what's true. Yes. So whenever we get a report from the doctor or whenever we're facing a family situation that, that we're going through, whatever it is that you might be going through today, that as soon as you hear that report, that might be true, but then there's an, a truth in God's word that overcomes yes. what's true. And so you might be being told all of these different things. You might have been told, well, you were just like your daddy. Well, guess what? You, you're, you're always going to be an alcoholic like your daddy or blah, 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 whatever. That may have been true, 
But the second that you got saved, there was a truth that overcame that that says that you are a new creation yes. in Christ Jesus. That you have been that that the old man has passed away and the new has come. That you are called righteous. That you are a holy nation, yes. a royal priesthood unto God. That all of these truths overcome whatever may have been true about you in the past, or if the doctor tells you that you have cancer or anything like that. Uh, that I, I know I've been fighting a battle with. I've got. I've, I have have I have tennis elbow, and every single time I feel that pain, I just remind myself Isaiah fifty three. It is by His stripes that I am healed, that He sent His word, and that He healed me, and that I am the healed of the Lord. I just continue to roll those things over, and, and, and it's a fight. Yes, from and, victory, and I know I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to gain victory right. over the pain in my elbow. I know that I already have the victory. Right, and it says right here, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Every single time that I am going to engage in the fight of faith, mm-hmm. the first thing out of my mouth is this, Father, I give you thanks right now that I already have the victory. Right. You have given it to me through Jesus Christ yes. and, and through your word. And Lord, I just thank you right now that I have this victory right. in the name of the Lord yeah. Jesus Christ. I give him thanksgiving and praise. I could sit around and complain yeah. and murmur and, and, and go through this thing. But I have learned over the years that the first thing I need to do, Father, I thank you mm-hmm. that I have victory in Jesus' name. Yeah. And then what does God do? We, but Sunday we're talking about how God has already gone in our future. Yeah. You know, so therefore, he knows the end from the beginning. He's mm-hmm. already been at the end. He knows the end yeah. that he has planned for us and purpose for us. Then he goes back to the beginning, and then he leads us. But what does it say he leads us in? In triumph. That's what it says in Second <laughs> Corinthians 2.14. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. And this part just blows my mind. And through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge mm. in every place. Wow. One of the hardest things that people will experience in fighting the fight of faith is conversations with people that don't know the truth of God's will mm, so or the good. truth yes. or the knowledge yeah. of who God is. People will say, well, how are you feeling today? And, and people expect you to say, well, I'm just still feeling really bad or still going through this or blah, blah, blah. People don't expect you to say, well, you know what, I, I have some pain in my body, but I know that by his stripes I'm healed. Or, you know what, I know I've got some financial lack right now, but it says in, in Philippians that God, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. And when we start to do that, people might look at us like we're crazy, right? but it def- I love it. It diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge. And there's just something about, there's this... Um, uh, pastor that we have in Nicaragua, and um, he went through a terrible tragedy with his son, and his son passed away. And but I'll never forget, he called me the day after his son passed away, and he said, he said, Pastor Cameron, I've never understood the love of God like I understand the love of God right now, and I'm gonna go and preach the gospel to everyone. And whenever we came back Amen. to Nicaragua, we were Amen. out in Nicaragua at the time. We came back in. And we, we were sitting down with this man and people were just telling us, people who were recently saved, they said, I've never seen anyone with an understanding of the love of God that he has after going through something so difficult. And people were being saved, delivered, set free, and out of a tragedy that he knew 
that God still loved him. He knew that he still had victory. He, he had this understanding that God was still deeply involved in his life. And that began to diffuse the knowledge of God to the people around him. And one of the most powerful evangelism tools that we have is just sticking it out and, and going with what God says and realizing that, man, God, I, God can do anything. God is capable of overcoming anything. And when we begin to let our knowledge express what our heart knows to be true about God, it doesn't just set us free. It sets everyone around us free. You think about Paul and Silas whenever they were in their chains and they begin to praise God. And not only were their chains broken by the power of God, the chains of everybody around them was broken too. They weren't the only ones that were set free by their praise and by their declaration of who God was. They were setting everyone around them free. And that's one of the things that I think is so vitally important about spiritual warfare is that when you fight the fight of faith, you will see the residual effects of your freedom affecting the people around you. That not only will you be set free, but your neighbors will start to be set free. Your family will start to be set free. Everybody around you, I was about to say, your dog will be set free. (laughs) It doesn't matter who's around you. They're going to experience the freedom that you walk in out of this too, which is such a glorious hope whenever we look at spiritual warfare. The fight might be hard, Right. But the outcome is right. just so well, amazing. Well, the, 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 world, the world needs to see that what we believe, we believe. Yes. What we believe, we speak. Yeah. What we believe and why we are so scared to speak what we believe around people, I, I have never understood that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, and what they're looking for in their own life is hope. Yeah. They're fi- they want to see somebody that has confidence hmm. in who they say they believe. Yeah. You know, and, and we're talking about we believe God, we believe God, but when we get around people, we're afraid to say, you know, I'm believing God. I'm I'm taking a stand. This is what the word of God says. I cannot tell you how many times that I have been around people and people say, Well, I know things that you're going through. And I said, Yes, but you know what? I'm not going through by myself. That's I right. said, because the Word of God says this, God is on my side, God is helping me, God's taking care of me. I have had people literally come to me after they saw God work in my life. <laughs> because the moment that I proclaim something out in public, yeah. then God's name yeah. and God's Word yeah. is now at stake. Yep. So I have re- released it. Yep. I have spoken it. Yep. And people around me are going, whoa. <laughs> you know, and, and then they see the manifestation. It may not happen overnight, Mm-mm. but they see that what I'm believing and what I'm standing for, because now God's glory and honor concerning his word is at stake. Come on. And God will always honor his word. Honor his word. He'll mm-hmm. always come through. And you know, when we look at this and says, thanks be to God who leads us into triumph. So if somebody is leading us uh, in this, then we must have the wisdom to make the right steps and go in the right direction and do the right thing. Correct. So how do we get that wisdom? (laughs) Listen listen to James, the first chapter, verse 5 and 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, I cannot tell you how many times in my life that I sit down, Tave and I both, uh, with decisions that we have to make uh, concerning 
certain direction we're going in, uh, decision uh, concerning certain uh, elements that, uh, that are in or circumstances that are in our life that we have to make decisions on. Uh, so the Bible says, if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. First and foremost, it is amazing how many times we try to figure things out on our own. Yeah. You know, and I've made so many mistakes doing that without involving God in it. Yeah. You know, so he says, but now I'm very quick. I, I am very quick to say, uh, Father, I need your wisdom on this. I thank you for it in Jesus' name, and I believe I receive it. Yeah. You know, and, and, I, and I do see it. It says, let him ask God, now I love this, who gives to all. That means he doesn't show preference. He doesn't mm-hmm. show uh, partiality. He gives to all that, that will just ask him. He desires for us to ask him for the wisdom, and he'll give it to you. And then I love this. It says, without reproach. And Pastor Cam, the word reproach there means this, that he will not mock us. He will not make fun right. of us. Yeah. And he, he says, without reproach, I'm not going to mock you. I'm not going to say, that's such a stupid question. Yeah. I've had people say this over and over to me at times. They say, Pastor, I need to ask you a question. I know it's probably a stupid question. And I look at them and I said, no, no question is stupid. Mm-hmm. It don't even say that. Yeah. You know. And, and so he says, without reproach, God's not going to make fun of us. He's not going to mm-hmm. reproach us. Yeah. Uh, and, and it says, and it will be. There's no question. It will be given him. But, now here's the key. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. <laughs> now, here's the key too. Uh, I can't stop doubts from coming into my mind. But I can stop doubts from becoming seeds, the, the seed that will bring forth mm-hmm. unbelief. That's right. You know, because I've always said this. Doubts are the seeds that bring forth the plant of unbelief. Yep. And, and so, so doubt can come in, but I can stop the doubt from staying there. That's right. Okay, I rebuke that. You know, I tell people all this, doubt your doubts, you know, and, and, and to rebuke that. So, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. So yep. you cast down thoughts of doubt. For he who doubts, doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven, tossed by the wind, for not let that man suppose he receive anything from the Lord. Why? Because a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. In other words, as a person say, I believe I receive, I'm not going to get anything. I believe yeah. I receive, I'm not going to get anything. I believe I'm healed, but I, man, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to get healed. Yeah. You know, that's being double-minded. You've got to believe the Word of God. Because the Word of God is our wisdom in every single situation. And, and even if I need wisdom that I don't have in the Word of God, uh, then I will ask God in making certain decisions, and He will. I trust Him to give me that wisdom. But the Word of God is our wisdom in every single situation. That's the reason that we right. painstakingly tell everybody constantly, you must get into read the Word of God. You Bible. must read your Bible. <laughs> read the Word of God. You know, get into it. No, especially over in the New Testament where we have the New Covenant, especially right. in the epistles. Yeah. It's so important for you to do that. Yeah. So the Bible says, let, listen to Colossians 3.16. Let the Word of Christ dwell, dwell in you richly in all wisdom. In yes. all wisdom. So wisdom is the word, and the word is wisdom. Mm-hmm. So 
teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace into your hearts. And yeah. then in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, verse 15 and 17, it says this, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Boy, are we seeing that today. Therefore, do not be unwise. Oh, here's the key. But understand what the will of the Lord is because the will of the Lord is the wisdom of God and the wisdom of God is the will of the Lord. Yeah, so wisdom comes from asking God and knowing the will of God through and by the word of God. Right. Now that's a loaded statement for a lot of people. Realizing that if we want wisdom, we ask God for wisdom, but we need to ask God from his word. That's one of the most important right. things that if we're asking something way out here in left field, you know, then we're not going to, we're not going to see We're number one, we're not going to get wisdom from God on something that's not already in alignment with what his word says. Right. You know, if we're asking God, how can we cheat on our taxes so that we can find a loophole or whatever, God's not going to tell no. you how to do that. He's not going to answer that. But if you, but if you ask for, or if, if you ask for wisdom on how to steal an account from somebody that you work with because you wanted that account or whatever it is, right. God's not going to answer that stuff. God moves in accordance with his will, with right. his written will of God. And so we have to, what it says in Romans 12 too, and we cannot be conformed to this world. So that's, you think about the way that the world does things, you know, if you think about financial situations, well, if, if you're going through a financial situation and you get sent a credit card by American Express or something like that, and you say, well, I'm just going to get the credit card and I'm going to start buying all my groceries on these, and even though I don't have money for that, that's being conformed to the way that the world right. does things. The, right. the world says spend money that you don't have right. or something like that. So we can't be conformed to, the, to those types of things right. or uh, and then it goes on, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and the way that we renew our mind. I love the word renewing there in the Greek. Is this, it's this kind of this word picture of a hammer that's destroying and rebuilding, destroying, rebuilding, and it's this repetitive idea, basically. And that we have to renew our minds through the word of God by continually, whenever something, we have to train ourselves. Listen, you have to train yourself to listen to the words that are coming out of your mouth so that you can know what to say and how to re what you need to be renewed into. So if you declare the word of God, I am the healed of the Lord, something simple like that. You say, I am healed by God. And then you walk outside and, you, and you're talking to a friend. It's just like, well, I just don't know. You know, the doctor keeps on saying that. Train yourself to hear yourself in that moment and be able to go, oh, you know what? Yes, that might be what's going on. But the word of God says, right. say it out loud. Say it in your heart. Have those inward conversations with yourself. And that's how you move from just knowing the word of God to using the word of God to be renewed in your mind. And it says that you may be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The renewing of the mind by the word of God is to receive and know the, the wisdom, wisdom of, God. of God. So how do we use the wisdom of God in spiritual warfare? It says in Ephesians 3, 10 through 12, to the intent 
that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purposes which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. The way that we use the word of God in spiritual warfare is to speak it out. Right. And it's the church. The church is not, so not just us individually. Right. Yes, us individually, but realizing we all have our part in spiritual warfare. Right. That it's not just Pastor Al and Pastor Cameron on Sunday morning coming together and saying something and now that now we've done our duty. No, we, we come to church on Sunday morning to get our marching orders right. for the week. That's what's happening. The most important day of the week is not Sunday. It's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. After I've received the word, which is the wisdom of God, yep. and then applying that. All and throughout the going, week. Going, and this, this is the greatest thing in the world concerning you can go up on the podcast and get all of our notes. That's right. And, and and you can study those things out. Yes. And faith comes Let by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Yes. And then we can look at the life of Jesus to see how he used the word of God in spiritual warfare. It says in Luke 4, 1 through 13, then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. But so and that's a that's a perfect image of what we've been talking about. The devil didn't cause the stone to turn into bread and then Jesus go over and eat it. He planted a thought in Jesus's mind. He said, "If you are," so doubting what God had just said to him, "If you are the son of God, you do this." He plants the thought and he challenged his identity. Exactly. He challenged his identity. He challenged the word of God because the father had just spoken over Jesus 40 days earlier. He had said, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So now Jesus is believing that and the devil comes in and tests the word of God in Jesus's heart. He says, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus said to him saying, Jesus answered him saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So Jesus comes right back at the devil with the word of God. He comes and he, he doesn't just say, no, I'm not supposed to do that. I, you know, the, I, I, heard that, I heard my rabbi in the synagogue the other day say that I'm not supposed to do those types of things. No, he comes in with his study, with his understanding, because this is Deuteronomy 8. Right. Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy 8 to the devil. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And he just, pow, fires well, right well, back at the devil well, whenever watch he this, comes Because here's what he did. Mm -hmm. And it's exactly what we said up front. The devil comes to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to be bread. He did this in every single temptation That's right. to be, become bread. But here's, here's here, watch this. The devil comes at him with deception, yep. his number one weapon. Yep. He comes at him with deception. If you are. Jesus combats him. With wisdom. Yeah. The, the wisdom, wisdom of, of God, God, which is the word of God, That's right. which is the sword of the spirit. So wisdom, every single time, which is truth, overcomes 
Yeah. Deception. Yeah. So then the devil's got to move to the next one. Yeah. Yeah. He moves along and he says to Jesus, he says to Jesus, then the devil taking him up on a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you in their glory for this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone you shall serve. So again, devil comes in, tempts Jesus another with something. Strategy. It's another strategy. Another wow. Because he actually uses truth here. Yes. Because most people don't know this. The devil, he, he is the prince of the power of the air. Right. And so whenever the devil showed him the kingdoms of the earth and said to him, all this has been delivered unto me and I can give it to whomever I wish, he was telling the truth. That was a fact. That was the fact. That was a legal fact. That was an actual scriptural fact. Adam that the gave devil, it over to him. Adam gave the, gave the devil authority over, uh, over the earth in, in the moment that Adam sinned. So then he comes, first of all, he starts by questioning his identity. That's the de- what the devil will do. He questions the identity and he questions the word of God. Then he comes to him with a truth. And he says, if you worship me, I can give all of this over to you. And then Jesus comes back and he combats it the same way. The devil has multiple strategies and we've got the same response every single time. It is written. written. And then he comes down. And the devil tries again. He says, he says, where am I? Verse, Verse nine. nine. Yeah. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. And now the devil tries to use, his, use Jesus's tactic. He quotes. He quotes <laughs> the Psalm 91. He says, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you and in their hands they shall bear you up. Lest, you're, lest you dash your foot against a stone. The devil's trying to manipulate faith yep. in this moment. And the devil will do that to us. He'll mm-hmm. try to manipulate faith on his behalf. That's right. where it says he disguises himself as an angel of light. light. He disguises himself as, as close to the truth as he can and, possibly and, and appear. And also, let me add this. It, where where the scripture says in First Corinthians, where he minister, he comes and disguises himself as an angel of light. He says that his ministers, yeah, his his ministers disguise themselves as ministers of righteousness. That's right. People who can give you the word of God, but their heart is rotten. Mm-hmm. Their heart is not with God, mm-hmm. but they can give you and speak the word of God. Yeah. Uh, but it's for their own personal gain. Yeah. It's. It's so crazy because, you know, something we have to realize here is that the devil doesn't tempt us normally. He doesn't tempt us or he doesn't start off tempting us with what's right and what's wrong. He starts off tempting us with what's right and what's almost right. Right. And so it sounds good here. It makes good sense. You know, you you got people who, who try to walk in foolishness and presumption all the time where they say, well, the word of God says this, so I'm just going to go out and do this. You know, I, I remember uh, as a young man, you helped me out in a certain situation because I wanted to go feed the homeless. And so I went to, I wanted to go to the most dangerous part of town 
because I was like, well, Jesus is just, God's just going to protect me. And you said, well, hold on a second. There are places where you can go where you're going to be in a safe environment where you can do this alongside of people that were, because I had the right heart right. and I had the word of God in me. I had read in the Bible that morning that pure religion is, is taking care of the widow and the orphan right. and, 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 and the poor. And so I was like, well, I'm going to go out and feed the poor. And so I'm going to go to the roughest part of Fayetteville and I'm going to go feed some poor people. And, and you were like, now hold on a second. <laughs> let's, let's and that, and so <laughs> I used wisdom and went and did something different. You know, right. I still was able to do it. So, so the devil tempts Jesus with what's almost right. And Jesus says to him, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And then the devil had to leave him. Yeah. But it says here, he departed from him until another, another opportune, opportune He had not given up. Listen, no. the enemy does not give up on you. Glory to God. And we are out of time. We're very much and, out of we're time. we're not giving up, okay? <laughs> we're going to come back next Wednesday, and we're going we're gonna to move right through with this. And uh, I know that you're getting so much out of this. This is, this is our heartbeat. We, yep. we want to disciple you. We want to teach you how to successfully wage a good warfare. We want to teach you the, the uh, wiles and That's the schemes right. of the devil and the enemy. We're not giving him glory, mm -mm. but you've got to know how he operates. And you, you have to know exactly how do I respond to that and how do I respond in it that I'm going to see victory uh, in this situation uh, that I'm dealing with, whatever we're doing. And by the way, don't think that the devil is just going to, like Jesus, he's not going to give up. He's <laughs> going to continue to come back. Remember what we said up front. He makes warfare on the body of Christ. That's right. That's what we're going to go through. So don't give up. Don't give in. Keep fighting the fight of faith. Keep using the word of God. Keep using the sword of the spirit. Keep speaking the wisdom of God. You know, that's, that's what we stand on. That's how we fight the fight of faith, and we give God thanksgiving and praise. Thank you, Father. You've right. given me the victory, and I receive that victory now because this is what your word says, Father, yes. in the name of Jesus Christ. Listen, if you are watching us and you've never received Jesus as the Lord of your life, listen, that is the only way you get a new life. That's the only way that you break the power of sin in your life. You break the power of habits. You break the power of addictions. You break the power of depression. You break the, the power of not having a destiny. The power of emptiness and frustration in your life. That's how you break the power. By receiving Jesus and, and, and receiving the forgiveness That's of right. your sins. You say, Pastor, how do I do that? It's very simple. If you believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God, and the Bible says you confess Him as Lord of your life, what, what does that mean? This is how simple it is. Okay, Some people get upset with this, but it's this simple. Lord Jesus, I confess you. I, Father, I repent of my sins, and I confess Jesus Christ as the Lord of my life. Amen. How simple is that? I repent of my sins. And I confess Jesus Christ of the Lord of my life. Amen. And my friend, if you do that from your heart, God comes to live on the inside of you. He saves you. He delivers you. He Amen. forgives you. He cleanses you from a guilty conscience, cleanses you from all sin. You become a new person in Christ Jesus. 
Thanks for listening to the CL Talks podcast. You can find the notes from this conversation in the show notes below. For more information and talks from Covenant Love, just search for us on social media or head to mycl.church. We'll see you next week.